0: do or what I really want to do is like do an interview series with everyone uh, from the certification program, but also some other people that I know that have been uh, totally into mental health or uh, just things that they want to share. And I'm really curious in how other people think um, and what make them be like who they are. Um, I think it's so Just interesting for me to find out and this is what I really want to try to like give everyone a stage and give everyone a place and then just like share it with uh, all others Uh, and I know so many are then trying to flip the script and then like start asking me questions (laughs) (laughs) like I'm also talking all the time right now but I would really actually love to get you to talk and just like give you this platform and um, just ask like questions, what I find interesting or what I think that others might it. find interesting. So <laughs> that, uh, that would be it.
1: i would do my best.
0: <laughs> I think it will be, it will be great. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to do it. All right. So Brendan, very nice to have you here. I'm so glad that we could have this talk and just, uh, yeah. Who are you, Brendan? Who
1: are you? Who am I? So I'm a father to two girls. I'm happily married. One of these that's still happily married and living in Norway, but originally from Ireland. So I spent half my life in Ireland and then took a summer holiday to Norway a long time ago. And so far, I'm still here. (laughs) (laughs) What made you stay? What made me stay was there was a girl. I, the fun thing is that uh, men usually say, was it a girl? But women usually say, was it love? <laughs> so it was a girl and it sort of just like happened gradually. And then I upgraded from that girl to another, to another. And then I, I met my current wife and we've been happily together now for 22 years. Wow, that's crazy.
0: <laughs> wow, that, that sounds amazing. A great upgrade, by the way.
1: Oh yes, when you find the best, you just gotta hold on to it, you know.
0: Awesome, awesome. So that was twenty-two years ago, and like before, did you travel a lot? Did you like go to other places, or was Norway like something that you had a calling to go there? So I think
1: um, I was in university in England, and then I met. Uh, that was when I met uh, this Norwegian girl, and I thought, yeah, I'll go to a, I'll go to Norway on a trip and see what happens. And at that time, it's like one thing that's really fun in this Transformation Mastery, in this group that we're in, then I see a lot of younger people, younger guys in the group that I really like, wow, that was the way I was. That was me like 20 years ago. That was me. Um, and it was. it's so much fun to see. I see the self-doubt. I see uh, all of these questions that are popping up. And it just it's sometimes like I don't get the self-doubt, but I get this, wow, I had that question as well. I was thinking exactly the same. So the bravery that a lot of the people are showing in the group, the the stamina, the engagement that they're showing, it's really impressive. And I tell people like, whenever I was the same age, there's no way I would have done any of these exercises that many of them are struggling to do. I'd be like, no way, forget about it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Definitely. I, I really can relate to this. I'm not uh, that much older than, than some of their um, who are in the group, but I was just like meeting with, uh, with the Swiss uh, people. So there were three of them. They're all around 20 years old. And I was thinking, yeah, this this is much further and much more braver and much more stepping up than I was when I was yeah. 20 years old. Uh, big time
1: it's really impressive some of them think that they're they're struggling they're procrastinating they're far behind but I'm like if only you guys' knew but trying to give younger people wisdom is something that nobody's ever managed to do so it's uh, people have to sort of travel the path I guess
0: no definitely i also think like there are a lot of voices that say oh you know it used to be better or or <laughs> the world is changing for the worse but i don't think so i i think when i see these young people it's just uh, wow we are coming a long way because back in the day i knew no one that was even thinking about these things or trying to work it out or something i i was always feeling kind of alone and this i don't know how how was it for you growing up or oh, growing up yeah like as a kid yeah or, or yeah sure <laughs> let's do growing up and then also like the, the the latter part like uh 20 years ago the the way they are now
1: like How 20 years ago even I think around about the age of 24 when it was when I sort of was pushed into a job where I had to ask questions aloud in a group setting in front of other people and that was still the worst the Back to the age of 10, with this childhood trauma of you have to speak aloud, you have to ask a question, the teacher asks something. And then it's like, okay, you have to answer in front of the group. That was still the worst ever experience that could ever happen. It was just like totally wild. And that existed until I was about 24 years old. And what happened then was that I traveled around Europe and did a street show. Uh, So I set my, I could juggle. And I could set myself on fire and do fire stunts and fire breathing and, and tricks. And then I was pushed from not being able to speak in front of people to standing in the middle of Copenhagen or Berlin or Amsterdam and Paris and had to entertain 500 people. And the first show was disastrous. It was like nobody was there. It was like I thought if I could just stand there and just be impressive, then people would give me money, right? They would give me attention and then they would give me money. And it just didn't go. And the second show was disaster. The third show, disaster. And then this switch of it's not what I do, but it's more how can I do something so that they'll stay, which is basically the definition of value. value is uh, the perception of this is useful for me to stay here. And really understanding that about value is something that I've taken on the rest of my career, that it's not what I do, but it's what people get out of me. So in the Transformation Mastery, it's not about how cool I am on stage, because people could say, wow, you're amazing on stage. Yes, but let's ask people what they got out of the session. Or you're great at public speaking. Yes, but let's ask what the people got out of what they actually heard. Or me being a father and my kids could say, wow, you're the world's best papa. Yes, but what are you getting out of me being a papa for you? So those Mm -hmm. questions, I think, are some of the most interesting, fun uh, ego busting questions that exist uh what are others getting out of me so I ask my neighbor what are you getting out of me being your neighbor I ask this to my neighbor quite often
0: like, like literally you go yeah, to like, your neighbor and you're like what do you get out of me being your neighbor
1: yeah literally I ask him I, I check with them like once every maybe three months and say so how's it going How's it going with having me as your neighbor? What's going on? Those type of questions with my wife, I ask her. So, how's it going? Like uh, 20, 22 years ago, we met, and then we got married uh, sixteen years ago. And it's like, and I, I solemnly swore in sickness and in health to blah 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 all that sort of stuff. And then I, I do this like check because I think that a lot of people do this at work, right? They have these yearly talks with the boss or something, and the boss sits down. So, how can I help you? How's it going? And I think that's something that we shouldn't be doing only if we're getting paid for. I think every parent should be doing it with their kids. uh, And it should be that we're we're in this job to listen and make sure that the kids get value out of having us as parents. I think we should do it as partners, as boyfriends, as girlfriends, as husbands, as wives, as sons, as fathers, as aunts, as neighbors, everything, everybody around us. As a football trainer, I'm a football trainer and I ask my kids, uh, not during, not in the training, because then I don't listen to them but before training and after training I really listen and say so what are you guys getting out of this training I think this is one of the most one of the most underrated questions that we we don't ask enough I don't think to the people around us that mean most to us
0: that was Definitely. really nicely put. <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love this. I have high admiration for exactly what you are asking me. It's, it's been also something that is on my mind, like these last couple of years. And also this question of value. What's really value? And how can I bring value to people? And uh, there's also like a lot of questions around marketing and around how do I even just present it? Because it could be like the same thing but just in the way that is presented or it is offered. um, And it's not maybe about me, but about them or the other way around that it can really make a difference. And um, obviously you seem to be a master in this. So please teach us. But I think
1: that's a really nice point because uh, I know that you're a musician, right? And some musicians, especially like the, the ones that are the world's best in what they do. Right. Um, they go on to stage, Let, let's say one of the world's best guitar players, like classical guitar players, they go on stage and they do their show, which they want perfection in basically what they do. Right. But there's other artists that go on stage and they want the audience to leave having a fun evening and therein lies the difference. So and I think that's real fun. Uh, thing to do. And it's something that whenever we're involved in public speaking or transformation mastery or coaching, it's the second version of that. It's not, let me try to be the best transformation mastery person on stage, but let me be the best version of me that I can help people leave with value. So this uh, this definition of value that I, do, I can't deliver value to people, but they can get value from having me around them. That's the sort of definition that I'm with at the moment in life.
0: <laughs> that's that's great. I'll just uh, like hop onto that. Exactly what you said with the, with the musicians. This is like the big issue with classical music uh, right now, and I'm trying to convey this uh, to other musicians as much as I can. Uh, it's really really hard because we grew up in this very weird society, and I started a whole coaching brand. That is just about that, um, and I also interviewed a few people. I have a wonderful colleague in Hamburg that I visited a couple of weeks ago, who's doing exactly that, and um, she's just trying to to make people understand that this relationship between the audience um, and the artist can actually become a co-creation it doesn't have to be like the the barrier of the stage where you have the star and the rest is just like the foot folk uh, to (laughs) be there for the star but we can actually create something together and i have had great inspiration also by the guided meditations from julian and this is something that i definitely want to do connect that with music i've already done like before in this year a meditative A concert where people just like brought their yoga mats and just lay down and um, Mm -hmm. one can sit or or lie down or walk around or whatever just not disturb the others and uh, just try to really um, ground oneself and I really want to do this now also with guided meditations and learn how to uh, develop whole, whole processes for this other type of connection not just the player being the star but actually Uh, bringing it to other people i think
1: that's beautiful i think that's one of the key things that also that we're encouraged in these transformation master events is that you are the star of the show every single person meeting up you're the star of your own show and it's also these uh like people that meet up to a concert and they're going there and they're ready to dance and if they're going to dance and if they're going to let themselves go a little bit and live into the 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 atmosphere of the audience you have exactly what you say this co-creation of value it's so nice
0: it's it's amazing, and also um, it's something that even starts here. Uh, I remember when we were talking, when you we were presenting um, your techniques, like before speaking, and then how you touch everything and and describe it and stuff like that. That that's really great, and I know these techniques also from like uh, music. Um, what's it called? Uh, inner game preparations and so on. And then I told you about the spider who's in the furthest corner of the wall that if, if the spider can understand me, like if I'm so precise in speaking, then everyone else also can, but there are also some other mental games that we could do, especially in co-creation. Like um, I think there's like this sphere of influence that we have, like the personal space. And oftentimes on stage this widens, right? So you could technically bring in all the people that are in the room and create together use like this energy to create something for outside of the room Mm -hmm. so that's usually uh, anyone who's speaking on stage or or performing on stage or whatever they would like be in their own personal space and then performing for the people there but you could just like embrace those people and perform for even outside and this is just like a mental thing to Ah. help them co-create it's really really strong
1: that was nice i was on Usually, whenever I'm on stage, I thank people as early as possible if they allow me to be me. So, not every customer group that I have. Some people say, "Hey, can you tone it down a little bit? You don't have to be." Uh, and I'm like, "Okay, I can do that." And and then in my head, it's like, uh, "Don't be authentic." <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. So last oh. week,
1: uh, last week I had a group of ninety people in Sweden at an event. And after the first hour and a half, uh, I think, um, it was, uh, I gotta thank you guys because, uh, I realized that you guys are joining me in this, uh, this energy, allowing me to be authentic. And the more authentic I am, the more value you're going to get out of this. So accept my weirdness, accept my silly laughs because everything, whenever I'm on stage, I usually have some stuff in here that I think is hilarious. Like some of it comes out and some of it doesn't, but every single thing that we do on stage there is something really ridiculous some things in here and I laugh at those <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. and I laugh out
1: loud on stage I've got this thing that I just laugh out loud on stage and sometimes I just walk behind you know like if I have a flip over chart like a flip over stand I just walk behind it in the middle of a sentence and just start laughing and nobody in the audience can see me <laughs> <laughs> And then I come back after 10 seconds. I just get, I have to get the laughter out. And then I'm back and say, OK, we're back again. And people <laughs> somebody's like, what are you doing? And I saying no, I'm just being it's just like it's better just to get the laughter out and just do it because there's so, so many weird stuff like happening in here. So I usually thank people if they let me uh, be me and join me in that energy. I think it's a really nice way to to progress through the event.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there is also this big thing, calibration, Julian talks a lot about it. And it actually helped me a lot to also find this way where, where I'm still authentic, but like in a somewhat uh, tones down way, uh, if that's needed. So for example, yesterday, I remember I was having a blast on, on stage while performing. And then I would look at the front row and there were like two very old women just sitting there like... <laughs>
1: have you seen that have you seen back to the future movie
0: um i i have i have yeah it's, so in the I first back it. to the
1: future movie marty goes back and he's in 1950s and he plays this rock music and he's down and the whole audience just stops Oh yeah, yeah and he keeps going and keeps going keeps going and he says oh sorry you guys haven't heard this but your kids are gonna love this <laughs> yeah. and it's like uh he just lost it he lost it totally he was totally authentic but he lost them <laughs>
0: Well, yeah. And I think it, it is a lot of this fear of influence. So when when you go these, these first stages and people actually start to trust you, you have a lot of freedom to do like bad jokes and they will laugh. You have a lot of freedom to, to do whatever you want, basically. But it's just like this process of them getting to know you and then going there and like I can feel also the energy, for example, in the room, but I'm sure when you start an event and there's just like something's off and then the first joke doesn't land or maybe something you say it just doesn't arrive and then you get into this space of this is a really weird energy yeah, jokes are
1: jokes are scary. it's like we're not stand-up comedians and jokes are scary jokes are like it's a dodgy place. so I'm gonna have an event tomorrow. I'm traveling up north of Norway tomorrow and I've got an event. For it's only twenty people, but it's about presentation skills, how to speak on stage, etc. And the rule with jokes is that the jokes have to go this way. So it's something that I find funny about me. That's the joke. That's the first joke. So never joke about anybody out there. Never joke about any group of people because somebody says, hey, if you joke like about the French, right? It's like, hey, I'm French. And then you're stuck straight away.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, today anyway, but like this self-deprecating stuff, that's great. You just throw it on.
1: (laughs) And the, uh, the way I start on stage is I just pretend that I'm in the middle of a sentence that I have already started 15 minutes ago. So I never walk onto stage and say, hi, I'm Brandon, because like everybody knows Who's coming on stage? So I just walk onto stage and just pretend I've started. It's the most easy, natural way. So you just walk, put the mic on, and just walk on and say, "So, hi, you guys," and uh, and then just start in the middle of a sentence.
0: That, that sounds <laughs> so like, like how really... do you start a
1: presentation? You don't. You just pretend you're already in the middle.
0: Yeah, that's that's a nice one. That's <laughs> a really nice one. The I think much like more. A,
1: Hi, I'm Nina, and I'm going to I'm going to plan some music for you tonight, and I'm going to be doing this, and I've had this experience, and I have this, and the audience be like, "Can't you just go? Can't you just play?"
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I I'm really much more structured, like the, the way you just described me, but I hope I'm not as hopelessly boring as that was. <laughs> No, I was really fascinated. Um, maybe you can also share a little bit of your experience. But just like the structure of it all reminded me so much of like ancient, um, it, it, like ancient plays, ancient literature, uh, music compositions that have been made in the Renaissance and Baroque music. A lot of the same structures, like with the introduction and what you say when and and how it's like even the proportions and like what, what's the most important thing i think I, I asked this one in the group what's like the emotionally most important thing and it's actually right in the middle uh, it's it's built like a pyramid and and there's like the death meditation which is the second exercise right and then all this emotional charge is like third where you even get to share it and for me this is the actual um core of the thing to have this experience but also to share it with others that's and and they put it in the middle and then yeah. they said yeah it's because it works and for me it's really special because they used to do this 500 years ago and two thousand years ago so it's n- not a new concept it's really <laughs> what works
1: yeah. you know even in Ireland we go into the confessions when we sit with the priest and we share everything and after sharing with the priest you come out and the priest says, Yeah, you have to say this and you have to say this for 10 minutes and you have to pray to God, then you have to do this. But after that, you come people come out of confessions, and it's like, oh, I got a huge weight off my shoulders just because they were able to share something with another person, and that other person's job is just to be there and listen. That's it. And it's such a it is such a powerful exercise to have somebody just to listen, not to answer, but just listen.
0: No, definitely. I mean, uh, I loved a priest who just brought this. Straight on. That's why we have one mouth and two ears. <laughs> Just shut up and listen. Yeah. <laughs> or listen twice as much as you talk. So definitely, I um, I try to make it as a practice as much as I can, mm. and still, I like to talk a lot. <laughs> the, I think those, those, also-
1: those guided meditations you ask at at the start. Yeah. I was like. Uh, okay, whatever, I can do this with people. I don't really believe in the letting go. Uh, I bought the Hawkins book, Letting Go. uh, And then I bought the Lester Levinson book, Happiness is Free, which is a freaking awesome book. And then I did the the guided meditations for 50 days in a row, uh, at minimum one per day. And after about 20 days, then I sort of realized the value of them. It was like, then it was like, wow, that's how to, that's how to follow the sensations. Before that, I was stuck at the feeling level. I was stuck at the, the event level of things like trying to think of the event that happened. Uh, And then I was able to follow the sensations and following the sensations then, and just letting them go. It's not, it's not uh, make them go and it's not force them go. It's not, it's not even asking them to go. It's just letting them go. Uh, it took me about 20 days in a row to be able to experience that for the first time. Before that, I was very skeptical.
0: But you are super fast, like 20 days for this is really fast. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean. guess, I don't know. <laughs> there but, are uh, people who are really, really, you know, and especially smart people. This is what I've noticed. If you have smart people, it's so hard to teach them to let go because they're so skeptical of everything. So that's stupidity,
1: that's, stupidity is bliss.
0: <laughs> it is, it is. And I mean, you could call it stupidity, but it can also be substituted with bravery. So you could just like, um, well, in order to let go, you will have to let go of the skepticism or of the fear or whatever. <laughs> but uh, just like give it a try. And uh, Julian said also that uh, yesterday when I asked like about the balance, what if someone says, I really don't want to do the shh sound. Uh, no, no, you should do it. Just give it a try, and don't, d- don't mess stuff up. Just don't. I had
1: football training this morning uh, with a, a group of boys. The first session I had with this group of boys, and um, I said to them at the start, okay, there's just three rules, and the three rules are like, listen, learn, and I don't want you to go into this with a negative. But this is going to be one and a half hour, so just just decide from the start that you go- that you're going to like this because liking is a choice that you can make. So just go in and decide. I'm going to like this. And at the end, after one and a half hours, you don't even, you don't have to like it. But then you make a decision, not to, during the training. So just decide, I'm going to like this training. And then listen to everything that I say. I listen to you. If you speak, you listen to me. So if I speak, you listen. And then let's hope that we all learn something from this training. And I think that's something that is really nice about the transformation mastery events, that if people are really open to liking and learning then that's possibly then that they'll leave with better realizations than before they came in. That's the value, what they leave with that they didn't have whenever they came in. And that's always the question I think like it's really nice to ask. If somebody says to me, hey, Brandon, I'm going to have a presentation for work. Uh, Could you help me? And the first question is always the same. It's so let's just jump to the end of your presentation. You've given the presentation. People are leaving the room with something that they didn't have before the event. What are they leaving with? And then people are like, "Yeah, that's a good question. That's a tough one." I say, "Yeah." Then I get that you need help. Then I really get it.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. And it's so easy to just like get stuck in the details. And uh, what should I bring? Or how do I do this? Or did I did I speak loud enough? Or did I? And it's, it's really not about that. This is the second thing that I wanted to say before, and and I forgot. Uh, but basically. I've seen so many musicians, but also normal people do extraordinary things without the proper technique or without the proper knowledge how to do it, but just because they wanted to. There there was this wish to fulfill something that was constructive in, in any way, and then they just managed. Um, and I think if it's really like the deepest desire to help people who come to this event, yeah. I, I don't want to say you, you you can do whatever, but I mean, if you really want to help, this will somehow find its way to them, um, and like just blossom in a very natural way.
1: Yeah, I think that's true. I think a smile goes a long way. People get the vibe of the smile, and they realize that oh, this person delivering the event likes this event as well. And uh, that's something that we forget sometimes. It's like uh, people ask me, have you got any tips for virtual presentations? And giving a presentation to 100 people in Zoom, have you got any tips? Yes. On your laptop, write a sign above your laptop. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great one. I oh, forget it one. so much. Because sometimes when I'm concentrating, I look like this, like this. And it's like, uh, if I'm like, it's like, this doesn't spread <laughs> so many good vibes. It gets a bit crazy sometimes.
0: It's true, it's true, like the and it's not about that i I really think it's it's not about trying to do it perfectly or or then get caught up in the head and like if if the joke doesn't work or whatever um doesn't work just it's it's the continuous process also of letting go what you what yeah. you just but also listening, but also it's it's a lot of things uh and it's so easy to um fall off the track. You kind of do it very quick, but you can also very quickly get back into it. Yeah. At least that's, that's how I think.
1: My youngest daughter, she does taekwondo, and she has to be able to let go of things like that like really fast. She has to be able to let go of things. So we're using similar training then for mental training. Um, so I coached the Norwegian national team, PlayStation football team, the ones that play the PlayStation FIFA game. Um, so okay. Yeah, I help them because something happens in the match and they have to let it go. They have to let it go as fast as possible. Norway's best table tennis player I work with and he's got 10 seconds between the points to let go. 10 seconds. So even the pranic breathing of 6-3, 6-3, uh, he can possibly get 6-3 and then it's time for the next serve, right? So table tennis goes like really fast and being able to let things go is one of the best techniques ever for people to perform at the high level. So if you're on stage, I guess, and you see somebody that doesn't look happy, but can you let it go? Or are you stuck trying to entertain that one person, even though 500 other people look like they're smiling? There's one person looking like this. I was like, (laughs) that person. I was like, can you let it go? That's one of the probably the biggest um, tip and help that I help people with mental training. How fast can they let go something that's got them stuck? And it's usually anger of something that happened in sport. So if my daughter gets a head kick, like and she gets kicked on the head, she has to let it go. Because if she, if she doesn't let it go really quickly, she'll get another head kick inside three seconds.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Such an
1: amazing skill to be able to let go in the moment as fast as you created the thought, uh, let it go.
0: So how did you go about letting go in general? Like how did it help you i can tell except, um exactly for me this year has been extremely transformative it was just like a process of several years and then these paths just exploding but how was it for you like you mentioned you were skeptical at first but then you still gave it a try and then day 20 how long ago was that why did you try it at all um
1: So I've been doing a lot of mental training before and what we used to do is go through the whole scale of emotion. So we'd ask people to create boredom and then let it go and then create anger and then let it go and then create joy and then let it go and then create enthusiasm and let it go and create orgasmic enthusiasm and then let it go. And then jump back again to boredom and let it go and then joy and let it go and anger and let it go. And the faster you can create and then the faster you can let it go. So that's like an exercise we've been training a lot um, and we've also trained the the uh, just sit and don't create anything. So we've been training up to one hour, just sitting on a chair, not creating anything, just being. Okay. Is it
0: that um, just like fake emotions, like you're not really experiencing them, but just like no, really experience, experience
1: them. them, really go all in and experience them.
0: But like, what would you say is the difference between this and acting?
1: oh, um, yeah, acting is trying to create something just for uh, pretending, I guess. But Mm -hmm. I guess like a lot of actors do actually, but they, they would actually think back I'm guessing now about actors okay so I, I know that some actors think like okay so if they have to cry then it's like think of something really sad okay like think of something really sad that happened in, in your life and then bring that forward and then you can get the emotion but that's like a crutch that's like a little crutch that you yeah. possibly have to use right but can't you just create it without having to look for something sad or something so can how can we play along these emotions And that's that's at the start, it's a really difficult, tough exercise to do. And then it just gets Mm -hmm. faster and faster and faster. And this is um, in athletics or in sports. This is what we try to do. We create something and then we let it go and then we create something and then we let it go. But it's the it's almost this sensation that we're trying to create without the previous thought that we had before, even though in acting, I've heard that many actors do that, but I haven't really worked with many actors, but it would be cool to ask them that question. If they, need, if they need something sad before to be sad now, or can they just create sadness?
0: I think it depends also on, on different schools. Uh, for musicians, it's also very similar uh, because a lot of them have to l- create these emotions. So there's basically two theories. One theory is you have to feel the emotion, otherwise the audience will not feel it, and then you just botch the performance. And the other uh theory is you don't have to feel it you just have to pretend like you look like you are feeling it. Right? so uh, there I are two- more like
1: the porn industry to be honest.
0: <laughs> got me there. Uh, so oh baby oh baby it's so good. <laughs> high quality stuff really. um it's amazing it's it's soul touching almost uh, but <laughs> Just to see these, uh, I think they're masters in both fields, right? And and you have like this one field where for me personally, I always try to do it like super authentic and also learn with changing emotions super fast. But there is also the other part of still having to be in control of your body. So let's say I need to play something that is really angry. I still have to regain control and the exact tension of my muscles that I need to use so I would have to redistribute this tension for example in other parts of my body that are not as affected um, by the playing or or vice versa uh, that are not affecting my playing and this has been a challenge for many many years and I don't think I'm really doing a the best job there is I think this is a lifelong process of learning it and developing it but also, depending on, on the music and depending on who wrote it or how it's meant to be played, you have to be really fast with the emotions. And there, um, there's like one composer that's every few seconds you go from to... And you just have to do it all, right? Like in between. And he's the one that says, if you don't feel it, can't do it. Uh, then you're not doing it right. So there's a lot of that training inside. And I was always wondering, um, I, I never had like this picture in the back of my head, as as you say, or something that I need to think about. But also there's like research that shows whenever you get into an emotional state, you remember the things from that emotional state much more clear. So like if I get into the angry state, I will remember also, all the time is much easier when I got angry. But I don't necessarily need the anger to to like go into. So I'm really curious how you how you did it with the... Uh,
1: I used to be exactly that. I used to think back to like family members who have died to create sadness. Um, and then it's also with the guided meditation that I can feel mm-hmm. sadness, but it's not as a sensation, but it's not linked up to something. I don't know how that happened. I'm also curious because I don't know, but I can feel the sensations without the event attached to the sensation. And that happened. And I think it's pretty awesome because then it's like, wow, there was a sensation. I think that's a sadness sensation. That's fun. That's like, uh, and then it's like following the sensations. But it used to be at the start. I was like, oh, that's probably that one from that person. Or that's probably because that person did that or it's because this happened. And that was uh, at the very start that happened. So it is. It is real fun. Another thing I'm thinking about is um the MMA, the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the best in the world. Their job is to basically stay right here and not, no matter what happens, and they're getting like punched, like punched nonstop in the head, and they say themselves, "Oh, if I create anger, then I lose, and I lose the fight." So my job is not. To create anger because if i create anger i'm not here right here right now i'm in the past and if they go if they get me there if the opponent gets me there then it get me in a headlock and i'm lost i think that that's freaking awesome they're like mental monsters those guys
0: <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> it it definitely sounds like it imagine Crazy. people punching you non-stop in the head like non-stop and you i would not have a good time i i don't think i'm cut up for it not me either <laughs>
1: I get angry. I get angry. One punch, the threat of a punch. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's like, uh, but yeah, those Brazilian jiu-jitsu have so control. That's why usually they're the people that usually end up in fewest fights because mm-hmm. their, full, their full control over their emotions and sensations are totally in control. They've got total control over all of these sensations, whereas somebody who's not with, with the sensations and then it comes up and suddenly they're fighting, but the best in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu actually don't have these anger sensations. They've let them go through the training. So a lot of those experts say, No, I'm never in a fight outside of the competition. I'm never in a fight. I'm, I avoid fights actually because they have no sensations of bubbling inside. It's pretty awesome.
0: It, it sounds also like the, the Eastern philosophies um, of martial arts just like be like water. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Be like water, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really love this. Um, I also uh, talked to a friend a lot who wasn't like water and he, he got some really bad injuries. Um, and we talked a lot about that and uh, he told me that I think there's also like um, from the, I don't know how they call the sermon in English. Like the super, super... Um, famous sermon by jesus where he's talking about the grass uh and the, and the flowers and the birds and how it's all soft and uh, really just uh be like the grass be like the flowers don't be uh, don't be the tree that tries to stand against <laughs> everything and then just breaks and, and and whatever but just like
1: but at the same time it's life is so much fun when we ever when we have bubbling sensations as well I mean, that's something that I wish I could also share in the group that some of these guys are like, I I get nervous speaking in front of people. And I'm like, oh, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. I I have to create, I have to try and sit and create nervousness just for fun. And some of them get like stage fright or they feel this resistance recording themselves like this, just be just recording with a telephone. They get resistance. I'm like, you're so you're so lucky oh my god <laughs> you're doing that just by yourself oh you're so lucky so uh, they don't appreciate the actual nerves that they're creating
0: i i wouldn't appreciate them either to be honest i i'm really happy at the place i'm right now basically i still do get triggered uh from very weird things What what's you so many people there so many people there and it was just like nobody lets you even get out, and everybody's just like uh, crunched in there. I was, um, I said afterwards to my girlfriend, it's like little piglets, you know, when they want to go for for the milk, and then everyone is just like throws themselves over the other, and it's just like a mess. It, this is how it was, and I, I was really getting this feeling: why am I here? What am I doing? I could just easily take in the next train, and I thought, yeah, maybe. Maybe just to see that I still can get triggered. And <laughs> what
1: is it that triggers you now in life? Hmm? What triggers you now?
0: Right now, it's a it's a it's a really good question. Uh, depends. I think most of the things that trigger me are still family and and uh, my partner. I think they really have like the which family
1: member? Come on, you can share.
0: Um, it's it's well it's it's a in between mom and brother yeah they okay. they're both very very um apt <laughs> and there are days where it's great they just have a good day and I'm having a good day and it's it's all good and then there are days where like cowboys yeah. <laughs> that all the shots have been fired and then uh, I might end in a little meltdown I might uh, it happened not so long ago actually i think maybe four or five weeks it was a really intense time <laughs> but then it's all good after
1: have you called have you done the exercise where you call your mom and you go like eight minutes non-stop of how much you love her
0: no i haven't i actually haven't i really got to do that you told me about it That's eight minutes yeah eight you minutes. can go as
1: long as you want but you could aim for like eight minutes time flies so you could end yep. up with like it's 20 minutes uh It is one of the most beautiful exercises before you lose her in life or before she loses you. It's just one of those unforgettable positive moments in life that you just say doesn't really just say the words. It doesn't really matter what's happened between us, what we've said. Uh, I'd like like just once for to be able to say something to you. And I'd really appreciate if you could just listen to me let this be a one-way dialogue and then just go non-stop like thanks for giving birth to me you sort of start there right that's like the first day thanks for giving birth and I've been so critical of you during all the years and me being critical um that was like I, I got that and uh, but still you were there and you're still there and you're gonna be my mom and blah 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 and then you can go into details remember the time you did this and the time you did this and I really appreciate it just goes non-stop it's a crazy conversation uh but really nice to have done in life.
0: I think I'm gonna do that right after our call. I'm just gonna that'd be, that'd be go awesome. I yeah, do it
1: about once every two weeks, three weeks with my daughters. I sit them down in front and I say, uh I have something to share and they know what it is now. So they sit in front of me and we sit like maybe a meter from each other. And I just go love just one way, just bomb them totally with love of all the cool things like I remember like last week you held the door open. We were at the shopping center and you saw there was a person behind us and you held the door open. I didn't say it at the time, but oh, that was so awesome. If like if you could score the goal in the final of the local cup competition or hold that door open, the door would actually mean that would be like Wow! This my daughter held the door open for somebody else. I was like, "Wow, that was so freaking awesome!" And I didn't say it at the time. I just like go nonstop like like that. And it's a really cool habit to get in because, and I think it's also because um, most people in life say that they didn't get the chance to say something to somebody else, but you did get the chance. You know, everybody's got the chance. You know, so it's mm-hmm. like. It's sort of a strange formulation that it's like, I didn't take the chance is better than saying I didn't get the chance to say goodbye. You did get the chance to say goodbye. I didn't get the chance to say that I love them. You did get the chance to say it, but you didn't take it. it <laughs> that was gold.
0: <laughs> it really sounds wonderful and it's super inspiring. And I think that's also the, one of the reasons that you're just so radiant and just like a, this, this beacon, <laughs> beacon of light. I know it's really, really, really just great. It's an inspiration. So thank you. That that is a
1: really nice exercise to do. It is. And it's also the reason why I haven't, I don't get angry with my kids. And that's also a mix of, uh, I think, mental training. But I think also Julian's work has also helped me not uh, become a better father, basically. And I think that's why I think you should do a lot more of parenting type events. um, Because there's a lot of parents across the world that need a lot of help. And are also looking for help. I held some Uh, parent seminars the last three years I held parent seminars with up to like a couple hundred people in on the events and people are um, there's a lot of anger issues going around it's like I get so triggered I get so angry and my daughter does this how can I stop my daughter from doing that and in some of the events I've just like said it straight out hey if you're being angry that's something you have to deal with that's not on your daughter that's like and, and then it's like person xyz has left the has left the webinar (laughs) (laughs) they don't like to hear that they really don't like to hear that
0: that's a great way to deal with anger just leave (laughs) yeah it's uh it's
1: like uh it's it's like my daughter makes me so angry it's like no you make yourself angry that's not your daughter and uh and i actually give my kids that and that answer back to me whenever they were about four years old both of them and I said hey girls if I'm ever angry with you you're allowed to say papa now you're angry this is a this is your thing okay this is nothing to do with me and I, I went in that dialogue and give them these tools that if I'm ever ang- angry that's something that it's me that's hurt it's me that's that's felt shame or afraid of something and the angers come out then but it's absolutely nothing to do with them it's 100% it's this is my Uh, error it's my mistake it's my fault something's not working right now which is basically how i've gone 11 years and never been angry with lily my 11 year old never i've been angry i think twice with my oldest daughter Uh, and i went and apologized and we used that but i remember both of those times i think it's twice but lily 11 i Mm can say i said yesterday hey lily i had a, a webinar with some people and i told them that i've never been angry with you and she still says, the same. yes, but Papa, that's your job. Your job is to listen and not be angry. So you're just doing your job, Papa. And I, so for her, it's just like, of course, it's like that. <laughs> it's
0: crazy. <laughs> it's, also good. it's a great role model. It's a, just like presenting how it can be done and how it is done and just giving them the opportunity. I think this is one of the most important things that you can do as a parent just like live what you not necessarily preach just like live it and we um, pretend
1: that stuff means something like but it really doesn't it really doesn't um an exercise i used to do with a lot of um teachers and handball trainers gymnast trainers i've done it with football trainers i've done it with i get, get them in a workshop maybe there's 20 trainers in a workshop and i give them all pen and paper and they all start the sentence Uh, I was the world's best trainer because, and I say, okay, in 25 years time, you're on the street in Oslo and you meet one of the players that you were a football trainer 25 years ago. They turn to you and they say, you were the world's best football trainer because write down what they say. And nobody ever, the football trainers never write because you showed me football tricks. They don't write that, you know, and they write things like because you listened, because you saw me as a person, because you met you, you talk to me every training. Those are the type of things that they write. So and then I say, okay, so basically that's what that's what that's like a really cool goal to have. So we should uh, take what you've written and put that like where we change before the training that should be on the wall. That's what that should be. Um, I think that's a really nice exercise that's sort of like borrowed from the seven habits of highly effective people start with the end in mind. And get to get that one sentence and read that sentence every day. And that's what sort of helps um probably this parent thing. Like, what are my kids gonna say in 25 years time? I don't know. It's gonna be like, My God, my papa was nuts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Okay. But I think you never I get know. Well. As long as it's good
1: nuts, then it's okay.
0: <laughs> awesome. So how about you? Like, do you get triggered? Uh, I
1: get triggered. Um, I the the most recent thing that I've used the guided meditations was people speaking against me, like suddenly in workshops or events. So if somebody shouts something out, like like a typical heckler that you would call them at a, at a comedy show, yeah. but in my events, somebody would totally like. Maybe they've kept it in, they've kept it in, they've kept it in and then it comes out and the way they say it is sort of like not the most controlled manner that they say it in Uh, that and they would sort of argue against me like no what you said there was totally wrong or that was and then before I used to feel these bubbling sensations like but it's just my ego being attacked right and that was what was the most recent thing that I managed to let go of because that happened like. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, the west coast of Norway, then there was somebody did this. They shouted out in the room, I totally disagree with what you just said now. That's wrong. That is totally wrong. What you just said. No, I totally disagree. And I felt this total calmness falling over me. And I my body automatically went into a six three, six three type pranic breathing really? while, yeah, while they were complaining. And I was like, just like breathing it in. And I just felt like. And as soon as they were finished, I went, like, wow, thanks. Thanks for that uh, comment. That was a pretty brave thing to do, uh, that you were able to interrupt me and just come with all of that. That was uh, it was pretty cool. That was uh, that was that was fun to receive those ideas from you. And I walked up and thanked them and gave them a little fist bump. Thanks for thanks for that. Let's take a, let's take apart a what you've just said. Let's discuss that, and then we discussed it in a really cool way. And that was that was probably the most recent thing that I would have said. This triggers me but then the latest test I passed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice, nice one. And you did inspire me to pass a very similar test. So thanks for that. Uh, But the other part would be also super interesting for me. You said, then you discussed it in a really cool way. Like what's a cool way to discuss it? Because um, I have something also from back in the day that was 10 years ago. Um, and there were actually two things that I learned in a seminar um, that I did at that time that I did not know how super important they were. But one of them was mindfulness meditation that I did at the time. Uh, and I did not get that it was letting go. It was also not con- um, made with uh, pranic reading 6363. It was more of just like a lying down and then just noticing the emotions uh, in the body the sensations, not the emotions, but just like go back to the place and then, right, uh not label them. That's, that was also a big one, but just like, and then I felt these colors and, and I remember doing this exercise and then I noticed something in my back changed and I felt free, you know, and uh-huh. then I was like, have I been carrying this for all these years? And I was and but then I forgot about it. I mean I did it and then I did it a couple of times but then it was like good and I never came into that and the second was uh, relating to each other so the second was I think they put on two people on the stage um, like someone who was I think for sex before marriage and the other person was against sex before marriage and then they let him fight it out but with the rule that whenever person A would speak, person B would have to repeat what person A said in their own words and then ask, did they understand you? (laughs) They had to create, so they were forced to create an understanding. And it was beautiful just witnessing what was happening there. It was really, really, really amazing. And it's something that fascinates me until today. So please tell me about your
1: that's like um, habit number five, you know. Habit number five in yeah. Seven mm-hmm. Habits is seek first to understand, then be understood. I mean, like if if we want to ever save the world, that's the one rule. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's it. It's like habit number five. You got it. Seek first. First, your job first is to understand that person, and then then be understood. I think that's like the most amazing uh, of those habits of all of those. But uh, back to your question. So it's basically. Uh, I don't think that we ask enough questions that start with the quest. The best question word for me, which is how. How? How? That for me, that's the most beautiful. We we don't ask that enough. So how do you think it should have? How do you think I should have communicated that? How do you think it should have been? So uh, how would it look like for you a better argument uh, that I'd put forward? So when whenever you ask the question how, then you jump into the other person's head, right? So it's like this, it's an open question, but I think it's they've got the open questions of what, where, how, who, when, which. Uh, and for me, the most beautiful question is how. So I could go through a day and I try to ask like about 50 how questions to people that I meet. Um, everything from how are you and uh how's it gonna go today and uh How do you think I'd like my coffee? If I order a coffee in the shop, how do you think I'd like my coffee? And with the right energy and the right smile, can I get started up a conversation? So I think that asking how is one of the best exercises to do to learn how to jump into other people's head and seek first to understand, then be understood.
0: And isn't it also like a little bit of a responsibility thing? Like if you ask someone how you're giving them responsibility to work for the answer, right? Exactly,
1: yeah, that's a really so, good. That's a really good point.
0: You are like creating this shared. I won't call it burden, but it's just like a shared workload or a shared. Um, because what I would notice with let's call them hecklers or uh, people who criticize a lot, that they very seldomly will have an answer to how. Yeah. <laughs> don't like the stuff, but they don't want to propose solutions. So you just asking how is somewhat of a very disarming thing. Uh, yeah. But since you said that you have this uh, great conversation afterwards, uh, I would really just like to know like how did it go? Because this is um, this is great stuff. Also, I like the the how. Do I yeah, like my coffee? I
1: I, I think um, trying to be authentic and figure out what just happened Mm -hmm. in the communication, I think is a real, but that has to be authentic as well. So it's like, you could say, how do you think, how do you think it could have been? You know, that would be like too aggressive, you know? So it's this really good, like a true authentic, how should I have said what I'm trying to communicate so that we could, how could we figure this out between us? You know, like this pretend that you don't have like one standard answer is a gimmick that I use a lot. So, for example, if I'm if I'm holding a presentation and I'd like to get some authority, so I I need to name drop a book, right? I'd say, uh, that reminds me of that book, um, habits. What's that called again? Habits uh, seven, um, um, and you pretend to forget, you know, and Did you give them the opportunity to jump in for you. Exactly, you know. So and it's the the opposite would be that reminds me of that book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And a lot of the audience, especially in Norway, a lot of the audience would be like, "Who does this guy think he is? He knows. Does he think he knows everything?" So one of the best gimmicks that I do on stage is I pretend to dumb myself down a little bit and be a little bit more forgetful, and that's how I start get into these good conversations because I also have this um, this idea that the person that said something to me in an argumentative type manner didn't formulate exactly the what was inside their head but it's been bubbling for three minutes they haven't been on transformation mastery they haven't been on letting go and guided meditations so it's finally risen up and they've lost control Didn't want to come out like a volcano and i should give them a little bit of slack that what came out of their mouths wasn't the best version that could
0: have come out nice <laughs> really that's some really good stuff right there yeah it's awesome. gold <laughs> yeah no, yeah you're true it's, it's gold, <laughs> gold.
1: <laughs> but uh, it's also this uh, this question how you know it's like um getting back to the idea that people in like young people in the transformation mastery what i like to do with them is take them uh, in an imaginary tra- uh, journey into the future so they're they're 20 years in the future Okay, 10 years in the future and every single problem that they ask, we jump into the future and now we're in the future 10 years and we reverse the question because they have figured it out. So it's like Mm -hmm. the question is, how am I going to be good enough to deliver this event? How am I going to be good enough to speak in front of 20 people? I said, well, come with me on a little journey. We jump into the future. It's 10 years in the future. You've delivered a lot of events. How the heck did you deliver them? And we're looking back from the future again with this question, how did you deliver it? And from for every team that I work with, like te- proper teams, not gangs or groups, but proper teams, that's an exercise I do with every every team. It's basically any problem that pops up, we have to ask the question, okay, so we're five years in the future. How the heck did we solve that problem? Because we have solved it. Like any problem that we have in life, it's solved in five years, Right. So I was like how did we how did we solve it? I have no idea but we did. We did solve it in five years. So how the heck did we solve it and then it gets to more like uh the answers there we just have to sort of discover what the answer is.
0: This is really, really, really powerful stuff, really powerful <laughs> stuff i'm gonna go I'm gonna go use it for everything It's gonna be like magic <laughs> and it's a-
1: if, it, if a team a, gets to use that question, it's so powerful because then they sit and it, but it has to be a it can't be like a person abusing it. So it has to be like a proper, authentic, relatable, relevant type question. OK, so this is a problem that we have right now. Like, uh, how can we get our product onto the market? We haven't got enough time to get our product onto the market. OK, but we're three years in the future. We did get it on the market. How the heck did we get it onto the market? And I think that jumping into the future is the question that, also that uh, that was going through my head last night on the event, the Zoom call we had last night, and people asking, "What about this?" and "What about this?" and my head's going, yeah, "But you have solved that. You've already solved this in the future. You know, in an alternative timeline, an alternative universe, you've already delivered these events. <laughs> How the heck did you do
0: it?" <laughs> nice.
1: I don't know, but that's. Uh, I think that's a powerful question. So back the ask how questions a lot more because it's a full, it's an imagination question not, not a fantasy question, so fantasy not based in reality, but imagination based in reality, that's the difference between fantasy and imagination, so so Star Trek, that's why I don't like Star Trek because Star Trek was based is in fantasy but Star Wars was based in reality, so Star Wars is more imagination where Star Trek <laughs> or The Hobbit was based in fantasy, I'm not a fantasy fan, but I love science fiction as long as it's based in so form of reality that i can relate to because then we jump into these how questions how is that going to happen and how did this happen how did all this of this and how did this happen i think that's the, the most fun questions to to ponder
0: <laughs> it's it's great really I, i'm learning so much here so thanks for that uh and i will take you up on this and we'll ask you so how about you how did you grow up like how was your journey that you came to where you are right now how when did you discover like what you wanted to do when did you uh, see that this was your calling because obviously you you feel it till your last bone that this is your calling and that you're doing it uh, for this higher purpose but how did this story develop
1: so I used to work as a teacher and I thought that was the world's best job I really loved like working with kids was like I worked with kids from six years to 16 year olds And I thought it was like, wow, what a great job. I did that for 10 years. And then almost on the day of 10 years, I thought like, this is the world's best job. I'm going (laughs) to (laughs) quit.
0: That sounds like something a normal person would do.
1: (laughs) And I quit on the exact day. I was like, I got to quit. And the reason why I quit was because in the morning at eight o'clock in the morning, I sat with a lot of other teachers. And I was like, let's go. This is going to be so freaking awesome today. And the other teachers were like, oh, I got to get into that classroom. Oh, those freaking kids. And I was like, I was very curious. Is this something that just gradually comes on without you noticing? Or does this just happen? Because if it's gradually, you just scared the hell life out of me. It's like, I don't want to be like that. It's like, what's going on? So while I thought it was the world's best, then I quit. Um and then I went on and started an IT company. And the keep the people that I employed in the IT company, they were really good IT people. I thought I was good, worked in the whole Linux OpenBSD uh type world of server maintenance and server hosting. And but they were amazing. So we employed a lot of the best people from all across the world. They said to me, Hey Brandon, we got this. This IT stuff, we got it. You can talk with people instead. And I was like, I can't talk with people. I can't talk with grown-ups. <laughs> well then I, I had the to talk
0: with them they were so much better than me so I had to learn how to talk with people then honestly ah, so you you like only talked to children before is it is this how yeah, that was them?
1: simple you know and then still talking with the adults and then I went into the .IT company had to talk with like proper customers now so I had to learn okay. how to be really good at that that's when I sort of jumped into the whole self-help world of the seven habits and how to win friends, influence people and all of these types of books. At the same time, uh, my father died. And this is something that I've been trying to not force it, but sort of see what's there. And I popped some bubbles in that, but I don't know if there's anything, any resistance remaining because just before the night that my father took suicide, he called me on the phone and he was like, I'm going to end it. I'm going to end this all. And I was like, uh, Okay. (laughs) So I was like, this was the best advice. This was like the best life advice I could ever give. So my own father was on the phone for 37 minutes. He called me on the phone and he was crying and crying and crying and he was crying for help. And I was like, "Uh, it's probably going to be okay. (laughs) I had no idea what to say, man. I was like, lost. And I hung up the phone and he took suicide. And probably at some subconscious level, Then I was like, okay, number one, I had to help myself. And number two, I should help. I should be ready the next time somebody calls me and says, I'm going to commit suicide. And, and But since that, that was 24 years ago. I'm 48 now, but 24 years ago, I've been on this journey of number one, how can I accept myself and take responsibility for every single thing that happens in here? So this idea of you can't offend me, you can't hurt me, you can't make me angry. I follow 100%. I make myself angry, I make myself offended, I make myself happy, I make myself sad. 100% responsibility. That's a whole different story that I learned from the warriors down in Tanzania. That's a whole different story.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but then the whole, the whole journey of like, wow, there's a lot of people that are really hurting. And if if I'm one of these people that people are going to call, are gonna, uh, if I'm going to help them with problems or people want me to listen, I better get some tools how that what the heck do you say to somebody that says help what the heck do you say and I've become really good at that now but it has taken probably 24 years of this these swings up and down to be able to get to the level of somebody saying help and just sitting in front of them and number one not having to solve the help but number two that they realize of getting the value out of me just being there listening, just back to what you were saying earlier, like help people really understand. And that what happened the last time was three nights ago or two nights ago. It was Thursday night. Uh, Thursday night, something like this just happened. And I got a message afterwards that was really beautiful message that just, that just me being there and listening uh, was amazing. And meant so much for them. And I, in my head, it's like, I didn't really do anything. But whenever you start on the whole journey of self-help, you feel like you have to do everything. You have to fix everything. And you've got answers for everything. And what a lot of people basically want is, number one, to be seen. And number two, to be heard and be told that I see you and you exist. And this is okay. We got this. And that's for me, is probably in some twisted way what got me into the whole (laughs) self-help transformation mastery type of things that along as with being a parent as well because I think being a parent is the most privileged job in the whole world
0: (laughs) it sounds all amazing it's really really beautiful and um I think you can teach me definitely a lot of things um this um Thing about help that you're describing. I can relate to that a lot. I have been a shoulder for so many people in my life for a very long time and the first thing that I always would do is you know try as, exactly as you described, just try to give advice, try to be supportive, uh, but like doing something and it's it's not really been about doing and th- that's why I got so curious that you said you're really good now when somebody says help to you, because uh, I'm very unsure still what to do because I can offer like a shoulder or just an ear to lend an ear, but I'm not at the point where I really can tell what these people need. Most of the time is more like what Julian described that they need to descend more down the ladder until they really realize what's going on, which is really hurtful to I think everyone involved. What I try to do is work with some questions, just bring things into their awareness, like um, helping them see something, or may- maybe just get a different perspective on things. But this is like the level that I'm at. I'm very, let's say, maybe uh, careful now with it. So I don't know what what would you suggest to me.
1: I think I think being careful is number one that's that's really good that's really good quality um and because we're playing with people's lives you know and that's why I totally agree on this message that number one and I said all the time like okay number one I'm not a professional so the advice that you get from me is definitely like it's not but I really recommend that you do get professional advice that's always like um one of the best skills that people can have is to admit to the own limits of competence in any area, um, because you have the Deeming Kruger, the Deeming Kruger, the deening Kruger, the what's it called, the uh, Deming Kruger, the deening Kruger, duning Kruger, uh oh what's the name of it? That i forgotten. I'm not familiar with the Deeming Kruger, the Deming Kruger, duning Kruger. It's something Kruger. Is this you? You spend but you're half doing this, reading...
0: this this uh, this thing on me, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So you spend half an hour reading something and you, th- you think, oh, this is easy. I'm an expert. Mm-hmm. And then over the next 20 years, you learn that you know nothing.
0: Yeah. It's, That's it's the journey. This experience uh, for me, I, I don't really. And, and when I see like you or when I see others that are um, really confident in, in what they're doing and, and also competent, um, I'm asking myself, like, how do you do it? Because I really don't feel <laughs> confident in Giving the proper advice. Like I talked to a coach about systemic coaching where it's um, more about like letting the person choose whatever they want to change or, or uh, however, because just like somebody from from outside changing something doesn't see the whole picture and can make or break like the whole thing without really understanding what's what's behind. And I have so much respect for that. And I also have learned to not follow advice from people from outside this was a big one for me just to admit to myself that i do know myself the best and um even with professionals it's been really hard like when i broke my hand um a couple of weeks ago i went into the hospital and they they were giving me like do this don't do this and, and that was like i already broke another hand like two years ago i do know what to do do not like they wanted to to take off my glove you know by hand and i was like just please bring me a scissor so I can cut out. out uh, let's let's just just cut it up. You know, don't don't try to pull it up because um, here I had to have an uh, surgery, an operation where they uh, fix the bone back. And I was like, I, I don't want to like disturb the bones. Just bring me. Like, no, no, I can do it. I can. Then I got a little bit loud just to make very clear. That I do want a scissor and to cut it up, and I'll do it myself if they want, don't want to do it. But this is just what's going to happen. Yeah. So even with with um, seasoned professionals, it's been my personal understanding that when when there's like this place of connection to oneself, um, I really can tell what's good for me and what it isn't.
1: But there, there's there is. There's a difference there. There's a difference between some people that, like number one, um, people don't have to hit rock bottom before they need help. Otherwise, I I, I didn't hit rock bottom. Okay, I got to like a, quite a low state, but I didn't get anywhere close to depression. Definitely not clinical depression. I didn't get to anywhere close to apathy, but I was in, uh, in anger and jealousy, definitely around that um, for quite a while. I, I actually went to a psychologist and, a, a professional who writes in the national newspaper quite a lot and this psychologist actually fell asleep while I was saying I need help I need help oh. and uh, the psychologist fell asleep I had to awaken <laughs> no. I had to go over and say hey hey waking up I was like yes 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 keep going what does it do to you? Oh, my God. I can't oh, even... Give me a story. Give me a cool story to tell. That was, I, I thought it was pretty cool. Like, everything that happens in life is basically a story. There's a there's a guy that I... A famous Hollywood actor that I was with a couple of years ago. And we're sitting in a restaurant. And, and we actually went home to his place. Like, really cool actor guy. And he's like, Brandon, we're all just a bunch of fucking stories. We're just a bunch of fucking stories. That's all we fucking are. We're just fucking stories. Give me a bunch of fucking stories. And it was like, uh, I'm sort of like, it's true. Like, we're just all of these bunch of stories and the sad stories and the cool stories, the funny stories, the sad stories that sort of makes it all a bit cool. But the people that ask for advice, there's two different groups. There's the ones that are sinking in the water and the ones that are sinking in the water. They don't need the. So what do you think we should do right now? What do you think would be the right thing? And they're like, I'm sinking. I can't swim. Yes. And I heard Brendan saying that how was a really good question. So how would you learn to swim? And if you jump five years in the future, you've learned how to swim. So how do you get out of your situation right now? And they're just sinking under the water. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's that's not the That's not the best advice.
1: So those people need very specific advice first before they can figure stuff out for themselves. I've been able to differentiate as as fast as possible which type of person is this in front of me right now is a nice skill to have is this a person where you can just be total okay i think that you're one of the people right now that needs specific help to get back on track and that specific help can be as simple as How is sleeping going? And they say, I'm not sleeping very well. Okay. And what about drinking water? Now I drink like two cups of coffee a day and maybe that's it. I say, and what about eating? How are you eating? And then we find out that sleeping, water and eating, that they're not giving the body the basic needs, you know? Uh, And when people are like in a really low place, they forget to look after themselves. Really forget this. That's why they don't look so well and say, Oh, you don't look so well. Now I've got this shit going on in my life. I'm not. <laughs> so, some of the most basic advice is okay, so let's try and get into a proper sleeping routine and maybe I'll even buy them a sleeping mask. So, I'm a big believer. I love sleeping masks. I adore sleeping masks. Oh, yeah, I love sleeping masks. The best sleeping masks in the whole world. Oh, my God. I've got my sleeping mask is amazing. And training the brain to go to sleep like inside 10 seconds. So, Whenever I get onto a plane, pull down the sleeping mask, 10 seconds, I'm gone. Like anywhere. If I pull down my mask, I'm gone. So been able to learn to sleep really fast and then been able to drink enough water and then have a balanced diet. That's sort of like this the most specific help. And then once we get people onto that track, then they're more open to more specific advice. And then we jump over to the other part. So how do you think we should solve this situation? But being able to differentiate between those two different types of situations is one of it's a really nice skill to be able to and also at the same time um be open of the limits of i'm not a professional uh medical expert but i'm i can help you get back on track i think that's really nice
0: awesome awesome i i, I really am very amazed also about the sleeping thing because this is something that i've been Uh, well, let's not say struggling with, but since I was a little baby, I just needed a long time to sleep, except for power naps. I can do those super quick, like when it's during the morning, uh, in between my practicing routines, I would just like lie down on the sofa and then I'm gone in like two minutes. But this is only at that time, also after lunch, to be honest. But otherwise I I might need uh, quite a long time to fall asleep or not sleep at all, um, depending on it. I think it's a real
1: blessing to be able to fall asleep really fast. So I'm like 10 seconds and I'm gone. I can even drink like a cup of coffee, like uh, like an espresso, double espresso, uh, half an hour before I, I sleep and pull on my sleeping mask. It's a Manta sleep I, I mask.
0: Need to do a, there's a lot of jealousy coming up right now, you know? <laughs> I don't
1: know. But I think it is a superpower. It is one <laughs> of my superpowers. <laughs> Whenever I list up my superpowers, uh, that that is all, That is always one of my superpowers that I can fall asleep really quickly. So often in the middle of a sentence, uh, on purpose, I can just like talk and, I, and I'm gone. Uh, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's a real superpower. But at the same time, if there's a lot of shit bothering me in life, then I have to let it go. And if I can't let it go, that could affect that. So maybe I'd use like 20 seconds to fall asleep because then I'd use 10 seconds of this thing going on.
0: Yeah. And about the letting go, how did you actually come across Julian's stuff? Or why did you even decide to join this group? I mean, you don't like really need it. You don't need... Uh... This kind of education this sounds more like um some kind of enrichment for you or just get in touch with other people but why how
1: Uh, that's yeah there you go (laughs) that's a good question and um i think about I i don't really know but i'd say about seven years ago then I saw some of Julian's content because I was delivering communication courses. So because I think I was delivering communication courses, then the social the social media thing pops up that uh, Brandon's talking a lot in his living room about social media. <laughs> let's give him some let's give him some communication on uh, social media. And that's probably where some of Julian's content popped up through the whole communication thing. So I checked out his high vibe communication course, which is freaking awesome for the value again uh it it is expensive but the value that that people or i can get got out of the high vibe communication program was i think amazing um and then it was like in the loop for julian and then i saw it's like okay so here's the coach thing and then i was more intrigued um about like okay i wonder what type of program this is and then i saw the cost of the program. And I thought like, well, that's freaking expensive. Uh, Mm -hmm. This would be like, and I thought like Julian seemed like a really cool guy. I'd heard like on podcasts and different things. The whole high vibe communication was in Zoom calls and the high vibe communication thing. And I thought like, what type of program could he deliver? And I was very skeptical. So I paid the fee for the program based on a healthy, really healthy dose of skepticism. This can't be that good of a program, but the cost of it is freaking insane. It's like, it's really expensive. And Mm -hmm. having gone through the program that I think he could have easily, for the value that, that all of us are getting out of it, he could have doubled the actual price of that course. Because I don't think, again, that everybody realizes that the actual, he's fast tracking everybody. Like, you go through this program of eight weeks, but if you do all of the exercise in the whole eight weeks, I think a lot of people would even though like that's why probably a lot of a lot of people these these realizations and nerves or everything's coming up is like popping up because most people are going over that about maybe five years and he's fast pushing and pushing and pushing and fast tra- fast tracking everybody at the same time everybody's at on their own pace but yeah. um the value that if you trust the process and go through everything the value that we're getting out of this is freaking awesome and that's sort of Once I was on it and got past that uh, skeptical view and everything. And that's why whenever I talk to Julian, it's like, wow, this is freaking amazing. This is like so freaking awesome. And everybody's like, they're sending in these questions into the group and stuff. And it's like every answer should, or every other answer should be, do do a release, do a release, go do a guided meditation. (laughs) Just go freaking... Do a guided freaking meditation. It's like, I'm afraid, I'm nervous. Go do a meditation. I don't know if I'd be able to speak in front of people. Go do a meditation. I can't talk about a random object for four minutes. Go do a meditation. It's like, what the heck's going on? And he's given us so many uh, cool answers uh, to questions that we didn't even really realize that we had. And I think that's uh, that's what's kept me intrigued
0: uh, throughout the whole thing. <laughs> great, great. It, it was Plus, very simple. Very similar for me. I also was quite skeptical in the beginning, but I also had a good feeling. So um, this was a a mixed thing, especially because when I really decided for myself that I do want to go into coaching, two days after I received this email by Julian, um, I went through Transformation Mastery Academy a couple of years before. It was back in 2018 uh, when it launched. And then... I got the email, We're would you like to be a coach in your city? And I was like, hmm, can I do like my own coaching and then do also your coaching? Because I wasn't aware how it works or if I have to be like full-time their coach because I, I want to do like my own thing. I, I like to be my own boss. And then they just called me up and then I was like, oh yeah, that's expensive. But I, the other course was also expensive and it was great. And I know that he has like this awesome business and that everything is just like working. Let's not say flawlessly, but they really figured it out and they're doing a great job. And it's like the top of the top. It's not, I've done a lot of also self-help stuff, looked at people, but there's so many, I won't say faking it, but they talk something or preach it, but they don't live it. Hmm. And with Julian, it's, Definitely, it's never been the case, um, and I could, I could see that. And I just say, said, "What the hell? Let's do it!" And then I did it, and then uh, it just gotten better and better and better. And right now, I also agree. Like <laughs> the value uh, that's even gotten out, just right now, it's so much higher. I mean, in Switzerland, you, if I would like want to go to do any kind of course. Um, after the studies, it would cost me three, four, five, six, up to 10 or 15,000. And these would not be like real professionals doing it in the real world, but mostly I don't want to throw shade, but most of them are failed people who didn't do it in the real world, but found an academic position and are doing it there to teach other people how to fail. Which I didn't want to do. <laughs> and somehow it just turned out to be great i i got to meet you i got to meet a lot of other really amazing people and i just can't wait to talk to them too it's it's yeah. been a crazy journey
1: but it's also it's also really cool julian uh, he's grown up he's now married he's got kids uh two i think um yeah. yeah so he's a father now with kids and He seems like a really cool, kind person. He has got the business, the whole business thing behind him. He's got like Team Julian behind him Um, and he's got Buddy, which is sort of designed the whole program and everything. But I think the, the, the real true kindness that we see on the Zoom calls is really nice. Um, because you have the Julian on Instagram and TikTok and all that, which is just like, yeah, you have to do this and this and this. And then you've got the ones that are asking like the probing questions, the shadow questions with people up on stage. And then we see this version of Julian in the Zoom call, which is just like sitting back in his chair. And it's like, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, that's really cool. Uh, yeah, that's nice to that get the value. Yeah, man, that's like uh that's really chill, really cool. Anybody else got any questions? And that's like a really nice version of Julian as well. And we're getting to see that authentic type. So if it was somebody that was like, we came into a zoom room, was like, you got to do this and you got to get sales and you got to get this. Then I think uh, I was <laughs> like, I'm out here. See you guys. I'm gone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no,
0: it, it also wouldn't be my type of thing. And it's really, really my thing. Like I feel very comfortable in this surrounding um. Also, what very impressed me, uh, what impressed me very much was his charisma. When I saw a live event, it was back in 2018, I think. Um, And me being a musician and working with tons of musicians and having been on stage with like world professionals and turning pages for them and and everything. um, I've worked for a festival for a long time and then I got to meet all these like superstars and none of them have even the fraction of this radiance of or personality or I think that was that used to be something back in the day maybe in the beginning of the 20th century when you have these really big personalities or maybe someone like Pavarotti would still yeah. have that but Julian was supercharged and then there was just this radiance and everything just coming out um, and I was like this this guy this is a uh, this is the real deal
1: have you have you taken the High Vibe Communication course?
0: I Yeah, I actually, when I enrolled, I got access to it. I wanted to do it uh, and then I got access to it and then I went through the whole course before we even started. Yeah. Um, I enrolled, I think, mid-June, so I had over a month uh, to just do it all and I was like...
1: That's really cool. <laughs> but um, everything. the eye gazing, which is also in the Transformation Mastery live event, yeah, have you done this with people in real life?
0: Yeah, I actually uh, did it with my girlfriend a couple of days ago. Okay, how did it go? It's uh, it was great. I actually had to giggle a little bit uh because it was strange like after 2 or 3 minutes some, somewhat I intensified. Uh but after that was was um
1: she, you felt she saw something or
0: No, no, no. I I think it was the um <laughs> let's I, I can't even tell. Like, we were in a spa in the mountains. So this is actually a, a gift that my brother gave us two years ago or something. And then we went to this extremely expensive spa resort in the Swiss mountains. Um, it was just right after sundown. You know, it was like maybe four or five o'clock. You have this high mountain, so you, you don't get the sun anymore um, in this hot whirlpool. and And then I was like, you know, we have this um eye gazing exercise want to do it and she was like yeah sure let's do it and so i set set the stage and then we did i maybe we did it for 10 or 15 minutes i don't know but there there was i didn't expect the giggling on my part because i was like <laughs> already involved in in this but uh couldn't even tell why i think it was just like the intensified energy that like made me you know want to shake it up <laughs>
1: And that's really good. I do that with twenty-two minutes with football players.
0: Twenty-two minutes.
1: Yeah, that's a half of a half of a half of a football match. So football players need to be like right here and now for forty-five minutes, and then it's break. So we do twenty-two minutes, and the longest I've done is one hour with an athlete.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, Did you? Did you do like the exercise before or since? Yeah, you... yeah, yeah before. Okay.
1: Yeah. So it's like, it's the most basic form of confronting. So how do you confront in, not in a negative way, but how can you confront any, anybody in front of you? So with my daughter that does Taekwondo, she has to confront and have eye contact with another person and then it's fight. So there's two forms of Taekwondo. One is Taekwondo form where you don't confront another person. You just do the, the different exercises And then, but the fighting is you have to stand one meter from another person and really confront them. And so I've done it a lot with her, uh, with my 11-year-old from, she was about four. Then we do maybe about five seconds, build it up to 10 seconds, build it up to a couple of minutes. And then we can easily do like, just sit and do five minutes. That's no problem. But uh, yeah, I used to do it a lot, but I don't like the name eye gazing. And the really, the reason is that because the whole purpose of it is, uh, do you dare to be seen? is the whole name thing behind it, or the whole reasoning behind it. It's like, can I let another person look at me? And whenever another person looks at me, what resistance comes up? And that's why like eye gazing for me has this uh, connotation of it's gazing out. But the exercise is about, can I let myself be seen? that's why a lot of the laughter comes why a lot of the giggles why a lot of the movement why a lot of the lumps in the throat comes like all these lumps everything comes up whenever another person looks at us for a longer period of time and that's why kids do it like if you t- do this with a six-year-old kid they'll do like five seconds and be like that like this because it's like stop looking at me and it's uh it's a really cool exercise i've done for many years with people that want to be good on stage Um, and yeah, it's, it's real fun and a lot of resistance pops up straight away.
0: Yeah. I remember when, I think it was when I was 17 or 18, that was the first time that I really got confronted with like, um, self-development, but also status and and stuff like that. And I noticed that I was not looking people in the eyes. I was always like looking away or, or just somewhere, but not into their eyes. And there was like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I do that? So I forced myself, you know? So I would look into their eyes, which was weird for a couple of weeks, but then I got used to it. Like I I pushed through this resistance um, that I was really having just like forced myself. Later, it became even like a dating thing um, where I would, uh, it was like kind of an intimacy thing. I didn't know for it being an exercise or, or a process or anything, it just kind of happened. That I would uh, really have strong eye contact for very long periods of time with uh, certain people. And I think much, much later, I started noticing that people are actually being uncomfortable with it. Um, And I think this has also a lot to do with my personality. Um, Probably also that I'm a little bit competitive without me wanting to be so. But I oftentimes come like in situation like so. I'm the authority here. Yeah. You, you don't even have to like say anything. I know that I'm the authority, and then I start talking to people and looking at them, for example, and they would get super uncomfortable, especially Swiss people. It depends, but here authority is not really um, acceptable, and you want to do everything just slowly and and just don't be like too shining. You know, Fader was a great example of a Swiss athlete that was really celebrated. But when you see Fader, Federer is very nice. You know, it's very, very calm. He's a like a round stone, very beautiful to look at, but there's no edges whatsoever. Um, and I happen to be not the no edge type. And this made a lot of people uncomfortable. I yeah. think it does up to this day. And, since I've been in this group, I think I've been also rediscovering this competitive side of mine because I just used to win so much for for everything that I did. I, I would just like go into a situation. And I was like, I, I, I'm going to rock this thing. <laughs> um, and I had a lot of self-confidence just from the earliest days. And then everything I set my mind to, I would like do and achieve. And then would look at these other people and say, they didn't even try, you know, they, <laughs> they didn't even give their best or anything. Um And really just noticing that and, and seeing th- this is probably not comfortable for most people. Yeah, it's and not. This is, it's really... Just don't do
1: that. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dodgy one. From, but have you've probably seen like a lot of, I think it's mostly, I could be wrong, but I think it's mostly uh women who speak in front of a group that they close their eyes and the eyes uh the eyes shutter like really like really fast you probably seem like they're talking like this with with the eyes closed
0: oh my Uh, god yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah. it's like it's very yeah you'll see this uh that um uh women in front of groups sometimes they close their eyes while they're talking some men do it as well but i think i could be wrong but i think that it's mostly female and it's fun and for me it's uh that that's that's the training they need it's like because it's not the problem is not them looking the problem is if i close if i bring this little piece of skin just down like this then i can i can avoid people seeing me <laughs> my head is stuck in the sand you know this type yeah. of ostrich thing so
0: exactly, exactly
1: yeah and i think that's the exercise that a lot of people need then because i think that what they need to hear is that uh, the whole world deserves to see you for you as you are the authentic, you, this is going to be okay, but then do the baby steps and the baby steps is let's do this. Eye gazing exercise for 10 seconds. How was that? Let's do it for 20 seconds. How was that scary? Let's try, let's try 30 seconds. How was that? Um,
0: Definitely. I think what I wanted to add on with, with my story before is I don't think it's just the eye gazing, but also like the intention behind it or what's subcommunicated, i think this can really really do like make or break the whole situation because if it's just like in a loving setting where, where it's just like really beautiful and comforting um it could be probably a very easy exercise but if it's not it's um it gets to be maybe tense or maybe confrontative a little bit. And then there's <laughs> weird energy things going on. So um, I, I also heard from, especially men, they, they don't like the eye contact. You know, it, as soon as there's eye contact, there's confrontation. Mm. Um, I'm going to break you. So, yeah. And <laughs> actually, for me, I don't know if you're familiar with David Data, I always have to mention this guy because I just really love his uh, spin on spirituality. And and, uh, I don't agree with everything that he says. Definitely not. He's not like my guru or or something, but so much useful things to talk uh, and, and to think about. And one of these is that he just says, he's not even going into trauma stuff. He just says, us as human beings, we are this cracks in the glass like it's a, it's a crystal and then you have so many cracks and, and and you can say yeah it's broken but you can also say it's so beautiful because the light breaks in, uh-huh. a, in a very unique way and and you get to have like this person with all their cracks and all their quirks and whatever is in there and it can be so beautiful and and you can even help um be those, uh, help fill those cracks or, or be even more radiant with light if you just send love into yeah. it. That's nice. So I've done that
1: exercise uh, with uh, men in corporations with like C level suite type managers and leaders. And the day before I send a message, please do not turn up in a blue shirt tomorrow. And because we're going to do some exercise so you can wear like a different color but blue is usually the worst because the sweat that most men produce under eye gazing is pretty awesome Oh, it's insane. It's like I'm gonna eye gaze with you. And they're like conf- you know, like this confrontation, like, let's go. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I, got I got you, I got you. And the pulse is like 150. I got this under control. And they're like, they're sweating like crazy, and they've got these big sweat rings uh, at the end of the exercise. And Like, oh, I survived it. I survived the eye gazing. And it's like, it's okay, relax. It's okay, be seen. It's okay. And and that's that's one of it's a really beautiful exercise. Just like, okay, let's do eye gazing and just. Sit back and not try to send out, but just try to be um, receivable on some form, some level. I think it's a beautiful exercise, but some people need the real baby steps of that exercise. Have you seen the Amnesty film on that, on eye gazing? I have not. No, uh, it takes different, um, It take, it's a four minute exercise where they take different refugees And they put them into a room and they're told to look at each other for four minutes. Uh, It's a a really nice video. It brings tears to most people's eyes. And it's some groups of people that don't like the others uh, type conflicts across the world. But they just put them across from each other. And instead of messing up with words and arguing, we just have to look at each other and accept each other that this is another person right in front of me. and It's a really beautiful exercise. It's also an exercise I've done for conflict resolution between leaders here in Oslo. I've just um, taken, I've taken before two people and said, Emma, come into a room. And I said, so we'll just look at each other. And that's the only exercise I want to do with you. And they we had this like several days in a row and the first day what we mean you're just going to look at each other and i say yeah we're just going to look at each other that's it (laughs) because we if we talk with each other we're going to argue right so let's just you sit there you sit there i'll sit i'll watch you you guys look at each other i'll time it let's go one minute one minute's gone okay up shake yourselves take a little drink of water come back again okay let's do another minute and do it again And then let's do another. And we got to two minutes. And I'd be like, "See you guys tomorrow." Hey, but aren't we going to solve the conflict? No. (laughs) See you guys tomorrow, and come back, and come back, and come back. And after like uh, several days, and maybe it was five days of this, the person that employed me in to solve the conflict was, "What are you doing in there with these? uh, With these?" I'm not doing anything. They're only they're not like they're just sitting there, and they eventually became best friends. And if I if they were talking about the exercise. They were called it so beautiful. So they were just sitting there. And then after, like, it was on day three or four, they gave up on this exercise and they started talking to each other, like in a tone and manner that they hadn't talked before. And it was just so beautiful.
0: <laughs> it's great. Great. Story me, what, did you do, me what did you do, to, you do me. to
1: solve the conflict? And I was like, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great thing. It's facilitation uh, in, a, in the best possible manner. It just reminded me of so many conflicts in my life that also could have been resolved in a very similar way because at, at some point I just noticed it's not about the thing. It's just about the people. It's um, Also, there's like this German uh, guy that has also been super inspiring for me going into all this kind of trauma work and very, very interesting stuff but he basically started out as a business psychologist so he would go into businesses to solve problems and then he said it's not really business psychology that's needed because most of the problems are family problems so the people just like bring stuff from their family so he started doing family psychology oh. and he did this with with people and then he said it's it's not really a family thing it's not Problems with families—it's just trauma that's somewhere. <laughs> so now he's—he's he's actually doing trauma, and I mean he's the uh, professor for psychology in Munich, I think Franz Rupert is his name, and he is saying things that are not necessarily, I would say, scientific or regarded uh, from from a scientific sci- um, from a scientific standpoint as very uh, good stuff to have or, or that it's proven in any way. Uh, but for me, it made a lot of sense. And he talks about different situations that he had with his patients and what trauma can affect and how trauma is uh, inherited also through generations, epigenetics, stuff like that. So I've been also working with another coach. Um, there's also another field, but I've been working actually three generations back, um, just stuff that was there. I mean, I come from Serbia. We had a very interesting past uh, these last couple hundred years. So uh, that was very, and I still haven't finished, right? So th- that's a whole other process. For me, Transformation Mastery was just the beginning. It was just the beginning of this uh, very exciting journey. And then it kind of exploded. And right now, I have no idea how far it actually goes back. Question: A lot of things of us as humans. Uh, you mentioned storytelling before. I'm fascinated by storytelling. Um, I think it's the oldest thing that we have as as a species to just communicate with each other. Um, and I tried to do this in a super long podcast <laughs> that I did, like my first podcast, um, to to explain it. Also, like to, to musicians and to artists because th- these are the basics of our communications, right? And I have no idea where I'm going with this. Uh, right now, but I'll just continue. Um, yeah, around around the letting go, I remember right now, because I wanted to ask you if you also have like other techniques of letting go or um, how you incorporate it into your own life. Because for me, at a certain point, it started getting like second nature. I think sometimes it just like flipped and then it started happening to me. Like I didn't have to do it actively but I was also cycling a lot at that time. So I would just always have a little bit of time where I would be engaged with my body. And then I had to time to reflect in a way that was very active in the present moment, uh, but also some kind of liberating. And and I just had this system going where anything that would happen to me or something that it would get resolved in a very short period of time, if it, even triggered something. Um, and another thing that I learned with another coach, this was very spiritual, was uh, like stroking the meridian, which would, that would be like something Eastern, going from here that you could do this thing going backwards. And with her, it was very interesting. We um, There's a whole book on it, but I don't remember what it is. You, you get a table of a lot of different emotions um, in different, like in the table and you can do like the kinesiology testing. I don't know, you're probably familiar with it, right? So you can just say, is it like in the first row and then, okay, it's in the first row. So is it like in the first quadrant or second or the third? What's the emotion? So, okay, the emotion is there. Is it the first emotion, second, third? So you can actually communicate with your subconscious and find the, um, the emotion that's there. And then you get exactly from the from the upper lip Do it 10 times until the back of your uh, skull. (laughs) And this would be like 10 times, but sometimes I think it has to go back, backwards if it's some emotions that have have to go back inside. I've been doing this a couple of times and actually my seeing on this, I got better uh, because of a almost two hour session because of something that happened two generations before um, that I don't exactly know what the event was, but somehow it connected to um, to my eyesight. And interesting thing, uh, my grandmother also got a cancer on that eye, like the same, same side, same thing, um, I think maybe 10 or 20 years ago, something like that. It, it got better afterwards, but it's like these things that, get ingrained in the body and then can even get transmitted to the next generation. Very powerful stuff. So I'm a big
1: believer. What do you think about the whole idea of uh, who creates emotions? Do you take responsibility for every single emotion you create?
0: I think we invented emotions. I literally think um, this is also a big one. I'm suggesting that emotions aren't real. But can I, I
1: make you angry?
0: You can try. <laughs>
1: but do you make it, do you understand the question? Do you take responsibility if that, if anger happens I, I, within you, yeah, it's I 100% think, on you and not me?
0: Um, the responsibility thing is, I think, a very hard one to, to tackle because ultimately I am a grown up person and I'm responsible for everything that's going inside of me, right? But at the same time, we have this thing as a society where we were brainwashed for so long, and we have all these stories that we're telling us. So I think the stories are the ones making us feel the emotions, right? I think oftentimes if something happens, um, it's the story around it that can hurt the ego. And it's the story around it that it can be, uh, I don't know, filled with shame or whatever. and And... I think as a society right now, we're developing these new frames for things that were shameful in the past or or, or there were uh, maybe people were fearful of it or something like that. So we're reframing all of that and looking at history, what other societies did is basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. So how can the same situation not... How, how can it be natural or how can it be real if in different societies you have different emotions around the same thing hmm. <laughs> it's not possible so you, it, it is just the narrative around it that we invent so it makes us feel emotions and i really think that emotions are the societal glue that we kind of make so I think what is working for us as a society is that we can actually make other people feel stuff because they don't want to take the responsibility. And this is one of the like gold. <laughs> this is gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is really, really crazy. Because ultimately for me, um, I remember I think also that it was one of very intense moments where I was feeling so bad it was something happening with my girlfriend at the time and I was just feeling so bad like because she was feeling bad because something happened and my life felt like this black goo you know and then I remember I I had to practice piano and, and I was in my studio and I really didn't feel like practicing and just lay down on the sofa and was like this is all so hard. Let me take a break. And then I just took a break and all that stuff went away and I was just completely okay there. Yeah. And I was like just lying there I was what what just happened? Like how can all this stuff just go away like it's nothing? Um and then yeah, it's not real. It's really not that's, real. It's just something That's true. That's
1: but I think Tell that's you. something you said uh, about five minutes ago was about this this letting go. And one thing that I practice a lot is to catch the creation of something in the making. Now I'm creating anger. Is this what I want to create? Instead of I'm getting angry and then bottled down the angriest unacceptable behavior requiring the letting go. So you don't need to let go if you don't create the anger. So being able to catch, be so in the moment that you're able to catch, no, I'm creating this. Do I want to create that? And that's why like, we see courses for anger management, stress management. And maybe there should be a little more focus on this mindfulness of be aware of when you're creating what you're creating instead of having <laughs> to deal with it later on, you know?
0: Definitely for, for me this has a lot to do with resistance. It because when the thing is happening and I start resisting it, then it starts creating. And yeah. if I just like let it go through me.
1: Just embrace it. Embrace. I'm creating anger. So so curious. This is what what type of anger am I creating right now? What heck is going on? Why did I decide to create anger right now? Because these these Uh, uh, sound waves go across from NINAD across the internet and came out through my laptop that these sound waves are in some way making me decide to create anger or guilt or shame (laughs) why is that happening right now this is really interesting and being able to be in this awareness of slow motion type Hollywood film of Mm -hmm. wow I'm creating this right now I think that's yeah. I think that's such a fun uh a fun exercise to do in the moment.
0: Definitely, definitely. I mean it for me it was a game changer. Yeah, it was on stage game. you must
1: get this. It's so easy for you as a musician on stage. It's like, wow, I can I'm creating excitement right now. I'm creating excitement. Wow, why am I creating excitement? How am I doing this right now?
0: I, I used to be the opposite. I used to be someone who maybe wasn't nervous, but would like fight through it. And then with the years, I think it got the worst at the end of my studies where I was just like fighting internally on stage. I was really fighting and then trying to do like this perfection thing, but something else wanted, in the, it was just an internal fight all the time. <sighs> and I think a lot of things help, right? But one that I really enjoy doing is just celebrating Whatever I do, I mean, a lot of people are talking about I don't know addictions like porn addictions, um, or or you know getting angry or just stuff you shouldn't do, right? And when I catch myself doing any of these, I'm like, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I just really enjoy doing it uh, because it's awesome, yeah. you know. Just like in the moment, um, there was also someone asking the question, "Yeah, I beat myself up about social media." I don't want to spend so much time on social media and so on. Um, I think most of my friends think that I spend the most time on social media when I don't. I'm <laughs> literally never there because I just prefer to do other things. But when I go there, and I think yesterday after the talk, I just scrolled like an hour on TikTok. It's super uh rare for me for that to happen. But when I do it, I really enjoy it because it's just... I'm doing it on purpose, consciously, and I'm giving myself the permission um, to do it. And then it's fine. It might be a slippery slope for Um, certain other things. But it's only a
1: slippery slope if you don't enjoy it, right?
0: I guess. But I mean, if you enjoy something so much, then you can even try to tell yourself that you enjoy it, whether you don't. I think this is the dopamine yeah, it's the dopamine thing where, where you think you need it, but you but you don't. So it... It's
1: like procrastination, you know, it's like, why not l- enjoy the heck out of procrastination? It's like procrastination has got such a bad, a bad, <laughs> a bad name for itself. Instead of like, uh, you see people writing in the Transformation Master Group, I'm procrastinating. And I'm like, it's cool. And then I read a little bit further, and I was like, <laughs> "And this is not good because of this and this and this." It's like, why don't why the heck don't you just take like a sign in life that you're you've decided like at a deeper level you're procrastinating? So enjoy the heck out of procrastinating. Don't beat yourself up about it. <laughs> enjoy the heck out of it.
0: Definitely, I, I also have to say this is exactly what I did yesterday before the concert, and I usually started doing this before the concert because before. I would always think, okay, this is also time. I need to use it. I need to do something useful. And yesterday I was just like, okay, after lunch, then I watched like one American dad episode. And I was like, maybe I will have a little power nap or maybe I will um, practice still the stuff for for this evening. And I was like, "Mm, you know what? I'll watch another episode. And then I watched it. I'm going to procrastinate and watch another one. And the reason I do it is just I know I'm saving the energy for later. Yeah. Um, this is like my story that I tell when, I, when I'm doing it. And in fact, it's really like my body needs to shut down so I can exert much more energy later. I can't be on 120 all the time. It's just not... Yeah, but procrastinating um, can
1: be fun as crazy. It's like you're lying on the sofa. I'm procrastinating now, and it's amazing.
0: And it's great. <laughs> it's really, really great. It's <laughs> it's some of the best thing that I that I can do. And then it was like the highlight of the day. But then the concert was the highlight of the day. But we then the car was the group. highlight. Of the day.
1: We should start a new group called Performance Procrastinators. It's for people. <laughs> <laughs> do you procrastinate there's like three questions to enter the group number one do you procrastinate yes or no yes okay you can go to step two do you love procrastinating yeah i really love it three can you wait a week until you join the group yeah okay whatever great you can get in
0: (laughs) (laughs) how do you do it like do you procrastinate um with love and with passion
1: I usually work on the, the rail scale. So it's R-E-L-E. It's resist, accept, like, and enjoy. And the more things that I do in life getting to enjoy, then the better life that I have and the people around me. So resist is doing things that I don't like to do. Uh, accept, mm-hmm. okay. I, and then it doesn't help to actually resist if I have to do it, but I can accept that I have to do it. Does it help to like? In most cases, yes. Something about it. I can Mm -hmm. really go all in and enjoy something. At the very minimum, I can enjoy the the emotion I'll have when I'm finished. So it's like, uh, how can I get as quick, as fast, as simple as possible to enjoying whatever I'm doing in life? That's sort of the scale that I work with in life.
0: (laughs) And and Once again, it's real.
1: Yeah, R-A-L-E, resist, accept, like, enjoy. Resist, accept, like, enjoy.
0: Sounds great. What about the things that you don't really have to do but you somehow think you should do or maybe no, maybe yes?
1: Yeah, but I can still enjoy them. I can still enjoy not liking. If you, it's like, and this is where it, it sort of overlaps with some of Julian's things. If you really love not, hating something, you just love it much more. So enjoy the heck out of not liking something. So it's like, I don't like this, and you can actually catch yourself not liking something. And you can like it so much that you don't like something. I think that liking something has got also got a bad, <laughs> a bad term around it, a bad name uh, around this of I don't like that. Yeah, but can you like that? You don't like it. Can you really go all in and really enjoy the heck, laugh like crazy how much you don't like it, and you actually yeah. get to liking not liking?
0: We should we should get the dislike button again. This <laughs> was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this was a fun
1: thing to have. But it's like my kids say, Oh, Papa, I don't like this. You know, it's like with food. Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, Can you really? Can we just laugh and love that we really don't like? It? Can we like taste it and spit <laughs> it out? Can we
0: that really
1: enjoy not liking it? Like, because the worst thing is really like, I really think if we live once and there's something that we don't like, actually not liking what we don't like is for me also a lot of wasting time. So it's like, if we don't like something, laugh at it. If we like something, laugh at it. Just like, whatever happens, try to get to enjoy the heck out of it as much as possible. That's sort of...
0: I mean, it's part of the experience, right? You can... You have the experience. You can enjoy it or not. But the experience is there. It's not up to you, right? Yeah.
1: So why not enjoy it? The Sort of... At least there's always something in most cases. And then people always bring in, yeah, but what about, what about rape? If you're getting raped, do you mean that then you and it's like some people try and drag like the most extreme examples out of that. I'm not talking about that, but even in the most yeah. weird cases, it will be at some time you can at least enjoy coming out. It's like my father, I said, who took suicide, right? I don't enjoy that happened, but I enjoy the learning that I came out of that with that. I can enjoy to help other people. So in most things, most, big disclaimer, big, big disclaimer. Yeah, this, this out of context is, is a big one, yeah. And that's a, I think that's trying to get some enjoyment out of everything. And if that enjoyment then involves a lot of other people, then that's a positive, successful moment in life because then people get to share something that will help others. And then we're back to where we started. The loop has come to co-creation of value.
0: Oh, what a beautiful loop! (laughs) (laughs) Great one. And what if I wanted to? Like I really said, I want to do something every day for the Transformation Mastery Life Certification Course. And then I don't do it, or I don't really, I really don't feel like doing it today, or or I'm so super tired, and I know I could do it tomorrow. Should I do it?
1: Hey, yeah, you can at least enjoy not doing it. Yeah. yeah. So go all that's in great. and enjoy not doing it. But I think do not way, doing it, it, not doing it, and then beating yourself up up about not doing it—that for me is like, come on, come on. <laughs> if you don't do it, enjoy the heck out of not doing it. Don't don't do yeah. it and then not like not doing it. That's a bit silly in uh, in my eyes. That's a bit silly. So it's like, I didn't do it. I should have done it.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I had this a lot. I think as as a kid. Growing up, that maybe the parents would tell me, you know, don't be lazy, don't, don't do stuff like that, and then I get these huge plans of everything what I, I could do this and this and this, and then have so much on my plate that it's not humanly possible to do all of these things, and I would beat myself up about it so much. There's actually so much.
1: There's zero value to anybody of having a bad conscience. But there's, it's very, very difficult to get any type of value out of creating a bad conscience. There's like, it just, I can't, I don't know any value that you can get out of. I've, I have a bad conscience of not doing it. It's like, well, okay, that's not going to help anybody.
0: (laughs) It's actually just a method uh, to manipulate people into doing something that would benefit anyone short term, right? They should have procrastinated. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly, they they should have procrastinated on on, on exceptionally.
1: I think we got to turn that around in the group. If somebody says, "I am procrastinating again," we should start answering, "Ah." You're so lucky. <laughs> Enjoy the heck out of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wish I could procrastinate, man. I wish.
1: Yeah. Oh, that was so... I hope you really had a lot of fun procrastinating. That sounds so freaking awesome. Yeah. I was I, like, I no, mean, oh, you don't get it. I feel so bad
0: about procrastinating. Oh, stop it. Stop it. It's too much. <laughs> I mean, we, we super hard procrastinated on this call. I mean, we should have had like a month ago when we first spoke. And then we spoke again. And then... Procrastinated the hell out of it. And, and then we, we we set it up for today, but then you had to walk your dog. So
1: it's not man. even my
0: dog as well. I'm just borrowing <laughs> the dog. <laughs> <laughs> you just got a dog so you could
1: procrastinate. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, we get a dog like once a week for two days or something. We have a dog yeah. and he's a bit nuts because, yeah, he just like sometimes we have to just, okay, let's go. We go for a walk. So
0: yeah, it was good. Good.
1: The, the fun Dogs. thing about walking a dog, and I realized that you don't actually need a dog. Uh, to do this and but it's very good to have a dog um okay let's wait do you have a dog
0: I do not have a dog
1: okay the one this is a really good exercise so if anybody is this is a really good self-help exercise anybody that that um is sitting at home (laughs) stop smiling this is a serious exercise (laughs) okay okay focus (laughs) If somebody is sitting at home and they've got the bills and the walls in front of them, the bills are in front of them, it's like it's chaos. And it's like, oh, I need help. And this is why I think it's called man's best friend, because there's a dog. And what you actually do is you take the dog out and the dog stops at random lampposts. The dog decides. So you have to let go of control and the dog stops. And sometimes you try and pull the dog, but the dog wants to stay there. And while you're standing there waiting for the dog to do take a pee, you notice things that you haven't noticed before in your neighborhood. And you say, oh, I didn't see that that roof was like that before. I didn't see that. And now you're noticing things further away. And the opposite would be that you've stayed in your apartment and you're noticing nothing new, zero new perspectives apart from Netflix, which is a, ho- a hoax. It's not, it's not real. And the more we can get people out into nature and notice things far away that they haven't noticed before, the more perspective we get. And the, the absolute best example of that is going out and stargazing. You just look at the stars and after you look at stars, you're like, oh, wow, we're alive. We're, we're, we're in this little ball and we're alive. I think that's why man's best friend, if we just and I found that you don't need a dog lead. So, and I actually tell people this, I've done a lot of 30, 50, 100 day projects and I've done 30 days of walking with a dog lead and stopping at random lampposts around the neighborhood. A lot of people think they're really funny when they point and they say, Hey, I think you've lost your dog. And then what I do is pretend like, Oh my God, my dog, my
0: dog. dog?"
1: (laughs) And then I get a lot of new friends in the neighborhood because they're helping me looking for a dog that doesn't exist. (laughs) What does he look like? I don't know. He's just imaginary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> with this idea of stopping
1: stopping and noticing things is an amazing exercise. I think that's why people love walking the dog. It's nothing to do with the dog. It's that they're getting new, new input that they haven't seen before. That's a really great good stuff. exercise.
0: <laughs> great stuff. No, I, I learned this one in therapy when I was... Um... And psychotherapy uh, for depression and then I would uh, take a walk with the therapist one time and she would just like show me stuff around like look at the tree, describe yeah. like what you see and, and I was like this is so stupid, why would I do that? Uh, but then really just got me to this place where it's yeah, it's not about this construct that's inside here, it's just about seeing and this is what you do before your um seminars right yeah you just go and describe stuff you're just like i'm perceiving i'm using my senses i'm like doing what i'm supposed to do with this body that i have
1: and this was an amazing call this was yeah yeah this was like, yeah, yeah. We this was gone like the- i just looked at the clock and we've gone for two and two and a quarter hours <laughs>
0: oh yeah i i figured it, it's super long uh yeah. i didn't say anything but you you the gangster we, we're we gonna keep it on i i don't have one but
1: um yeah, this I, was I, really cool
0: i can have this one yes yeah, not looks great not as gangster <laughs> but it's curious how hell does work <laughs> yes i like to talk about my background <laughs> Could you could you just do it and, and, and say, um, you know, for all the procrastinators out there about the procrastination, just do it. You know, the, the, the Puppetine, I uh, think, do it.
1: For all, you procre- for all you procrastinators across the world, I'd like you to join my Facebook group called Performance Procrastinators. Where we expect you to procrastinate. And we'd like you to procrastinate. We'd like you to take it as a serious sign that this is something that you can put off until a later day. We'd like you to enjoy the heck of procrastinating. We want procrastinating higher on the agenda. That's the one message that I'd like to... No, wait. What is the message that I'd like to give you? I'll tell you tomorrow.
0: Awesome <laughs> <laughs> stuff. Awesome stuff. <laughs> no i enjoyed it uh really 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 a lot brendan thanks so much oh that's a heart that's a heart get one back i have no idea how to heart you uh well, reactions right yeah yeah there you go. <laughs>
1: Hey, this is really cool. Let's do this again sometime soon and uh, stay in touch and keep messaging and stay awesome. You're freaking really cool guy. Easy to talk to, easy to get to know. And you have a really cool energy vibe. So uh, stay strong with that. That's uh, that's freaking awesome.
0: Thanks a lot. It's been a great pleasure getting to know you, getting to pick your brain, getting into all this kind of stuff. Um, would love to do it again. So Brendan, take care. Love to hear from you again.
1: See you, man. Bye-bye.
0: Bye.